0: Welcome again peoples, welcome to Covered by Moss, a yet another wonderful podcast from me Phil Peak, and the man up in Outer Mongolia, oh no sorry it's Mosley, sit back relax and
1: enjoy. One, two, three, four, go, that's what Phil's just said to me and so we are off. Uh, I'm going to read you uh, a lyric, uh, it's a fairly short one, and then I'll get on with this week's show, which is more of our uh, cover versions, things, songs that I've sung in the past, written by other people. And we've got some great music in tonight's show. Okay, so, one, two, three, four, go. Twenty coffin nails, please, I'll hammer my coffin shut. Listen to me cough and wheeze as I fill my lungs with muck. 20 coffin nails, please. 20 coffin nails. 20 coffin nails, please. I don't want to be clean. I want to smell like an ashtray and be stained with nicotine. 20 coffin nails, please. 20 coffin nails. 20 coffin nails please, I want a packet of disease. 20 coffin nails please, I want to clog my arteries. 20 coffin nails please, I've heard all of the facts, along with the birds and bees, this is a suicide pact. 20 coffin nails please, 20 coffin nails. 20 coffin nails, please, to turn my lungs black. will have me crawling on my knees while the treasury takes the tax. 20 coffin nails, please, 20 coffin nails. 20 coffin nails, please, I need a packet of disease. 20 coffin nails, please, I want to clog my arteries. Okay, that was um, today's reading for you. Um, I'm going to start by talking about my sort of musical relationship with my brother, who's two and a half years younger than me. And um, we um, simultaneously had bands in the late 70s, whilst I was in the Hamsters. He was in uh, the Frantic Elevators. And um, I thought we were quite competitive. He denies this, And, and it might well... True, it it might just have been that I was competitive. And so you presume that the other party is also competitive. Although I do remember him being a little bit um, arsy is a good word, a good expression. When uh, I returned home from London with some um, studio tapes where the hamsters had been in the studio recording and and, uh, wanted to listen to them. He was tut tutting and things like that. Anyway, he denies all that, and and so we'll we'll go with him. What he did, which is is true, was he he quite often helped out with the hamsters because we had this series of um, exploding bass players uh, who, who used to spontaneously combust due to the pressure. He he would often dep, and um, and and I suppose in many ways he was very encouraging towards me so anyway um at some point in the mid 80s recording at home became um an easier proposition i i was bought as a present this um machine it was a ridiculously complicated machine full of wires and things that you had to attach um that was made by amstrad which was, I, th- I think, that that horrible man who was um, Tottenham Hotspur's chairman. Some, what's he, what's he called? Do you, remember, do you know his name, Phil. A horrible man who does The Apprentice on television. Um, yes, Amstrad. I had this machine made by Amstrad uh, that was run, I think, by Alan Sugar, the horrible, disgusting Alan Sugar. Um, and it was, it was a record player. With double cassette desks, decks, and also a sort of home recording studio facility, and I think it was three hundred quid, which was like ridiculously cheap for for something that was supposed to be a cutting edge uh, technology. Anyway, it was far from that. It was it was difficult to use, but it did mean that. Um, I could record some stuff at home. I couldn't. I needed somebody who could actually work the machine because I'm uh, something of a uh, technophobe. Uh, Others would call me a Luddite. I couldn't do it myself. But my brother came along and fetched his guitar and we uh, happily communed writing songs together. We did about 10 weeks where we wrote a song each week and recorded it. Um, and it was really good fun, and some of the songs were was, was sort of lovely and very sweet, and it was really nice working uh, in harmony with, with my brother, Neil. Uh, but amongst those ten weeks, we also uh, did a couple of cover versions of songs that we were both very, very fond of. The first one was a track called South End Incident, by the Beacon Street Union, who were a uh, '60s sort of psychedelic band from San Francisco, um, quite obscure. I I came across. I bought this record um, in 1974 um, in Blackpool on the on the seafront of Blackpool because everywhere I went, if there was any a box of records somewhere, I would scour through it and I had no idea who the Beacon Street Union was, but that sound, it sounded great. And the other side was speed kills, and that sounded even better, you know. Um, so I think it's probably about 20 pence. I was there at a the football match. I was there to watch uh, Blackpool against Manchester United in the second division. Um, so so I traipsed around with this, um, with this Beacon Street Union record all day that was well worth um, buying, an absolute classic, and then uh, I came across the album a good number of years later, which is very good, but the best two tracks were the tracks on the single. The other track that we recorded following the Beacon Street Union was one by Pink Floyd, or in particular, um, the version of Pink Floyd that was helmed by Sid Barrett, which was a different beast from the famous Pink Floyd basically and uh much superior in in my humble opinion. Uh Neil and I were both massive Sid Barrett fans, still are. Um I don't know if he influenced Neil in any way, shape, or form, but Sid Barrett certainly influenced me in the way that his his attitude uh he just rolled roughshod over all conventions, you know, and introduced all this dissonance and screaming and whatever he wanted to in into his music, um, which was very, very liberating. Excellent, you know, when, when people um, sort of talk about punk, it's very, and you very rarely hear people uh, mention Pink Floyd in a positive um, way as as punk precursors. Sid Barrett's Pink Floyd certainly were, you know, they were much more punk than um, lots of punk rock bands, you know, uh, much more punk than Slaughter and the Dogs or the Drones or Generation X, because all they did was follow convention, follow the rules, follow the leader. They just wanted to be pop stars on big record labels and earn lots of money and... You know, get the pictures on the cover of Jackie magazine. They were nothing to do with punk rock. Um, anyway, so um, we, we covered Chapter 24, which was a Sid Barrett song um, that was based on the I Ching. I think it was something to do with the great uh, tether or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, it makes no difference because it's absolutely brilliant. So here we are the Beacon Street Union South End incident and Pink Floyd, Chapter 24.
2: as I walk with the rain on my face I wish I could find some place Some place to hide I am dying inside When they find me What will they do? Paper faces, painted masks Plastic hands are tearing At my skin I won't let them get in Are they waiting in the night? them in the alleyway I saw that pretty polished steel laughing at her throat there was nothing I could do did they see me run away tomorrow tomorrow please come the ice of fear is melted by the sun Who's that standing by the door? Is it me there waiting for? Eyes in every lamppost, arms in every tree, hideous voices gasping in the dark. Why don't you take me now? It's too late for me to scream. Icy breath against my neck, heart is pounding, bursting in my chest. You are vicious in your game. I will hate you till the end. I'm afraid. Yeah, wow.
3: in six stages and the seven the
1: This time, I had got a band together that never officially had a name, although I did intend to call it um, Black Death. And it was um, it was John who had been in the bass bass player in um, the Hamsters and the Bears from Bellevue Zoo with me, um, and as many acoustic guitar players as possible who we could get. Um, and we used to rehearse in the bedroom of John's house where he lived with his parents until um, we were evicted when he, uh, he took a stray uh, hedgehog in and uh, its fleas in, infested the whole house. The whole house had to be fumigated. Anyway, um, I was writing all these songs about plagues and um, death and pussing boils and things like that, Without and, and I wanted this sort of uh, hum of acoustic guitars, which is why I wanted as many as possible. I wanted this sort of um I wanted it to sound like flies flapping their wings or you know, a death rattle. Um anyway, uh, we got a gig. Um although we we you know we weren't um, we, we we weren't fully prepared. Anyway, we decided that John and I were going to do it. It was a gig at um, Fielden Park College. I think it's called Fielden Park. The Toast Rack, anyway, in Fallowfield, a big university building. And it was for the Young Communist League's uh, summer party. It was this outside gig, um, one lovely sunny uh, afternoon. Um, So I got a lift. Somebody picked me up, and we arranged to pick John up. At Bellevue and Route, um, and as we drove up, I could see he didn't have an instrument, and it and we were going through um, uh, similar ground to have been before, and basically chickened out. He turned up and said, "Don't do it! Don't do it! You're not prepared! Don't do it! We can't do it! I'm not doing it!" and and then fled be- be- before I throttled him. Um, so. I got to my driver, because I had drivers in those days, I was very, very important then. Um, I got my driver to go and and we, we, uh, we knocked on my brother's door and I said, look, I've got a gig and John's dropped out. Do you want to come and play this gig? So he fetched his guitar and we, um, we improvised the gig. We played some hamster songs, we played some frantic elevator songs and we played some cover versions. Uh, we played about four cover versions, and I can't remember what they all were. But um, two of them were Neil Young's "Tonight's the Night," again absolutely brilliant, and James Brown's "Immortal." I got you. I feel good. The um, Neil Neil Young. Ah, oh, Neil Neil had toured "Tonight's the Night" uh, on its release in nineteen seventy-four and played. At um, the palace in in Manchester on Oxford Road, and he'd, he'd uh, this was before the album had come out, and and people wanted to hear Harvest, you know, they wanted to hear Heart of Gold and you know, all the nice lovely acoustic songs, and instead pulverized them with this morbid tour de force, and it um, was boo- booed off at the interval. And then when, when he returned for the second half of the show, he announced to the delight of the audience, OK, now now we're going to play something that you've heard before. And they were all thrilled. They thought they were going to get Heart of Gold. <laughs> and he played uh, Tonight's the Night again for them. <laughs> the full album again. I love Neil Young. I really love Neil Young. And like Sid Barrett, Very, very punk rock, because he doesn't fucking care. Uh, So we played Tonight's the Night, and we played James Brown, I Got You, I Feel Good. And it was great. And uh, at the end of it, we got offered another job, another gig, um, at the full communist rally at the King's Hall at, at Bellevue. The King's Hall, where Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and the Who had all played. (coughs) <coughs> unfortunately neil had done this as a one-off and it didn't matter where this gig uh, was going to be that was offered and uh he didn't want to do it so we declined it and that's um that's the way of that but anyway here's two brilliant songs tonight's the night i got you i feel good
4: Well, late at night when the people were gone, he used to pick up my guitar and sing a song in a shaky voice that was real as the day was long. Tonight's a night. Yes, it is. Tonight's the night. Yes, it is tonight, tonight. tonight. i mm-hmm.
5: I feel nice a sugar and spice
1: Neil Young and James Brown I don't know why I never went to see James Brown you know. I got the opportunity but it's sort of late in his uh, career, I remember him playing um, at um, the Etihad Stadium supporting um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and um, I, th- I, th- I think what put me off, I was, I was sort of tempted to go to that, but I hate the Red Hot Chili Peppers And I hate Manchester City, so I didn't really want to go in the Etihad Stadium. So I didn't get to see James Brown. But I did see Neil Young several times. I was just telling Phil while we listened to the tracks that I remember seeing Neil Young at the Reading Festival when he used uh, Pearl Jam as his backing band. And I was stood at the side of the stage, you know, just yards away from Neil Young, uh, accompanied by John Peel. Those were the days, eh? Anyway... Let's get on. So, um, another collaborator in the 80s was a fella called um, uh, Eugene Simon Taylor. And um, I did some music with with him. Simon, he was commonly known as. We put a band together. I was very reluctant. I didn't really want to be in a band. Um, But they this, this sort of put my arm up my back. The rest of them, and we had this band called the Uchi Komi's, which was a um, judo term for. <coughs> <coughs> I told him my throat was bad. Um, Uchi Komi's, which is a judo term for repetition of movement, and we we had um, we were called that because the drummer that we had, Nicky Cocatelo was um, British judo champion and Olympic athlete. Um, anyway, they, we, we sort of rehearsed and we got this set together. <coughs> and we played a gig and it was okay. I sort of enjoyed it. And, and on the back of that gig, we were offered a gig the week after. And we started the second gig. And this time, you know, the novelty has gone. And I realised that I really didn't like it. You know, it was just... It was meat and two veg rock. I didn't like it. The band wanted to sound like The Clash. And, and, I, and I, you know, I, I just wasn't into it. So I had a, a David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust moment on stage and uh, resigned mid-set. Anyway... I continued um, doing things with Simon, writing songs and things. And we had another friend called Eric who tried to um, interest me in doing some electronic music with him. I proposed a version of um, Led Zeppelin's um, Black Dog done electronically. Um, That's I wanted to take all the kind of... um, machismo out of i wanted to strip it of that and all that uh, moaning and all the, the sex noises i wanted to make them like carry on versions of um eric didn't really really uh see my vision of things but he did fetch his machine around he had a more sophisticated recording machine and um <coughs> He recorded um, Simon and I doing a version of um, Bob Dylan's Positively Fourth Street, which I enjoyed, Well, It's one of my favourite songs, an absolute classic, as we know. I remember uh, getting it recorded and playing it to Mark Riley, a famous Radio 6 uh, DJ. And Mark had never heard <laughs> Bob Dylan's version. And he was knocked out. He, he thought I'd written, written it. And he said, he said, no, he said he said to me, that's, that's really good. It's one of yours, right? I said, no, no, it's not. It's Bob Dylan. He said, it sounds like one of your songs. But how's that for a compliment? That's lovely, isn't it? Anyway, let's listen to Positively Fall Street by Mr. Bob Dylan, Mr. Robert Zimmerman. Here we go. So Simon and I um, collaborated over several years, even though the Uchikomis had, had been a, a sort of minor disaster. We uh, ended up recording a single um, next for in records, Mark Riley's in-tape records. Uh, we did this kind of Dada country and western track called uh, The Horses' Tail." That's been written by three of our friends, Karen, Sue, and Rhonda, and we went off to Hetman Dwight, where uh, which apparently is the the centre for country and western music in in the UK. And a man in the Stetson recorded us doing the Horses Tail, and it came out as a um, as a single, and um, we were really old, um, nationwide for for it Simon was very very u- upset they um they spoofed they, they spoofed us on uh, capital radio from London told us that our record was number one and Simon took it all very seriously <laughs> um, I was I was less uh as impressed or didn't make quite a prat of myself so. but anyway uh, we we continued and um and we did things we did several um sessions recording things and we played some live gigs i would got this little pool of friends and it was keeping my sort of uh my toe in the water without me committing to proper bands so um we played we played the first gig we played um we played at a place called the birch in um in Audenshaw. it's no longer there it's really good. It was this big old um, Georgian pub with a huge cellar beneath it that was um, quite alternative, and uh, we were invited to 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 go and play a gig there. So um, I christened the band that we put together as uh, Brickbats, um, which was a nod to Captain Beefheart, and uh, I borrowed. Um, Mark Riley's band basically borrowed the Creepers, um, along with Simon and went and played this set of sort of uh half originals and half covers. Uh, and and again, it was fantastically well received. There was a lot of people and they really liked us. And uh, I remember one of the main band took sort of umbrage at the fact that we had gone down much better than than his uh, band ostensibly the um the top of the bill and uh he he said he said to me uh of, of course you went down better than us because you just played all that populist stuff uh i i said to him i thought we went down better than you because we were better than you <laughs> which i ended that conversation anyway um One of the songs that we did was an old sort of um, garage punk uh, sound from, from the late 60s by the Standells, and it was called Sometimes the Good Guys Don't Wear White. And it's fantastic, and this is it. The other ex me was Bobby, who um was um my co co-hamster, the the man that um I founded the hamster with, probably my closest friend still to to today. Um and um he's very slight, small and slight Bobby, and he doesn't like carrying amplifiers. Uh, which, which which prevents him from being in, in bands. And you apart from uh he also has a knack of um upsetting people. <laughs> um which which also prevents him from being in bands. Um doesn't upset me, I I, I love him to bet. Um but somehow he manages to 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 rub certain people up, they um they take him the wrong way, I think. Uh, but anyway, so during this period, uh, Bobby and I would occasionally, very occasionally, um, just just play a little bit of things. He'd, he'd got this battered old acoustic guitar that he would try to learn to sort of slide on. And and he'd always, his influences had never been rock music. He'd always been into soul and reggae. And increasingly, he was into into the blues. Um and so, um, it was it was good to to do a recording um, with with Bob um, that has been lost. Unfortunately, I would love to hear it because I know we did it really well, and and what we did was a version of um, Skip James' "Hard Time uh, Killing Floor Blues," um, that I, I really enjoyed doing with Bobby, he's got that sort of I I don't know there's something of the blues in in the way that he, he plays um and it's a shame that he doesn't do more um he's he's bobbed in and out of my musical life um and in various sorts of hamster reunions and we've written songs and things and and we've been very loving towards other each other uh, mostly and, and then I bitter fallings out as well as is the way of long-term relationships. Um, we're great friends now. So um, so this is for Bobby. Hard time killing floor blues by Skip James.
6: Hard times is here, and it where you go. Times are harder than ever been before. This old heart killing flow. Lord, I'll never get out this low no more. And it's all blossom so people you know these hard times can't last us so long.
1: Okay, as, as you've heard, um, my throat has really been playing me up. So we're going to call it a draw for this episode. Also, um, I've been trying to um, eat my tea during, during it. I've had a very nice uh, cheese pasta bake that, that's gone very cold now. I've finished my drink, so I need refreshing in my drink. So all that's left to say is um, goodbye. Again, thank you for your comments on the last show. People seem to enjoy it. So do let us know what you think. Um, and it's goodbye from me to Dylan to Helen over there in stocky party. Um, we're going to rehearse next month. I'm told. Um, so, um, so things are, are finally getting back to, to normal in to some degree. Um, my throat better be better really, is not it? Anyway, I'm rambling, I'm rambling, I'm rambling. Um, Thank you all for listening. Um, You know that we love you and we feel every little bit of love that you send our way. So please send some more because we're delicate and in need of a little bit of affection. All right. Take care, all of you. Our love to you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you very much for that, Ian. Thanks a lot. That was another amazing episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. As usual, the music, spot on absolutely spot on i like the um the the very last track we skip james track it's a bit laid back for some of you i suppose but hey ho um don't forget our facebook page which is flow backwards and leave us a comment uh even maybe a request because I'm going to play tracks at the end of each of the episodes as well. So I'm going to have a bit of a, my own say. Uh, this is going um, to end with another Tom Waits track. And what what's he building in there?
7: What's he building in there? What the hell is he building in this? He has subscriptions to those magazines. He never waves when he goes by. He's hiding something from the rest of us. He's all to himself. I think I know why. He took down the tire swing from the pepper tree. He has no children of his own, you see. He has no dog. He has no friends. And his lawn is dying. What about all those packages he sends? What's he building in there? That hook light on the stairs. What's he building in there? I'll tell you one thing, he's not building a playhouse for the children. What's he building in there? And what's that sound from underneath the door? He's pounding nails into a hardwood floor. And I swear to God, I heard someone moaning low. And I keep seeing the blue light of a TV show. He has a router and a table saw. And you won't believe what Mr. Stitches saw. There's poison underneath the sink, of course. But there's also enough formaldehyde to choke a horse. What's he building in there? What the hell is he building in there? I heard he has an ex-wife someplace called mayor's income tennessee and he used to have a consulting business in indonesia but what's he building in there he has no friends but he gets a lot of mail i bet he spent a little time in jail I heard he was up on the roof last night signaling with a flashlight. And what's that tune he's always whistling? What's he building in there? What's he building in there? We have a right to know.